Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Fistle Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. The Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Tomlin was pretty open yesterday with Tom, his media availability. I listened to that whole press conference and then I saw people like Dale and uh, Jerry D. I saw a lot of the Pittsburgh media say that was the most open and honest and forthright press conference Mike Tomlin has ever given. Yeah, they Jerry said on Tim was in for Mark yesterday, and he said, you know, even when I'm in the owners' meetings where we get Mike in these very intimate settings where it's just a few of us, he was still more open yesterday than I have ever seen him. That's so, wild. It's refreshing. I like it. It's, um, it's it, I wonder why, maybe because, and he was asked this yesterday, it's year 18 for you. Like, the, has anything... It's like, crazy to think about. Right, it is crazy to think about. That is an entire lifetime or an entire, entire adolescence and childhood and for with, some people. Well, I guess he is the longest tenured coach with one team now because of Belichick leaving. Once, yeah. Once Bill... Andy's still around. Mm-hmm. And once Bill jumps back in with Atlanta, he won't be the longest overall tenured coach. No, he's not even the longest overall because right, that's because Andy. Andy. But one team, it's mm-hmm. now his because of Bill... Out of out of New England, so and, he holds that that moniker and now. On top of Tomlin's press conference, Art Rooney did say yesterday that they plan on extending yes. him. Tomlin kind of had that tenor throughout the press conference. Um, good joke at the beginning too by him. Yeah, making I mean very. Li- I think. Uh, do you think Brooke Pryor was looking for a more direct apology rather than him making light of the situation? Uh now nah, if you're a journalist, I mean, you like, get it. I don't even know why a journalist would ever really want an apology. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's not supposed to be anything personal. And what he did, walking off the podium, even though, you know, people could misconstrue it as him being a little disrespectful. It wasn't like it he lashed. It made a ton of news. Like, that's that's yeah. your your job. Is right, to now you can make that your story. News. Exactly. Instead like, of making the story about his answer, no, there's the story. Pa- I would thank you, Mike. Like, you just made my story even better for 24 hours. And, and again, hours. he didn't lash out at her. No, he just he walked, walked away. Off. Yeah, exactly. He wasn't mean. Just what he's done answering questions. No, but his feelings were hot. <laughs> but it was a funny joke, you know. I'm in a much better mood to talk about my contract today. And, and he admitted too, like that wasn't the setting he wanted to talk no, about right. it in. He's saying and now he also that he could have handled it better. Right. So, right. Again, that kind of just goes back into what you're saying. He was so open and candid that more than you've really ever seen in a press conference setting. But with that contract, you know, he spoke as if he knew already what. Mr. Was, coming, was going yeah. to tell Jerry in the Post Gazette just after the mm-hmm. conference ended, and that would make sense that Tomlin would have that conversation with his boss before they went to the you know public side of things, and Tomlin addressed the media, and Rooney went to the Post Gazette. 
Uh, but then shortly after, confirmed that they will be working on a contract extension. And I think that was always inevitable. Uh, it's just hard in any sport to really have a coach be in a lame duck year. Mm-hmm. Especially in a year where you're going to need to bring in a new offensive coordinator. You're going to make changes on the defensive side of the ball, too, as far mm-hmm. as coaching is concerned. He alluded to that during the press conference. It really, changes all around. So you want the guy who is not going to spearhead, I hope not, all of the changes, but he's going to be heavily involved in those decisions on the hires. You want him to potentially hire all these staff members and then be gone in a year? No, you, you needed to give him at least one more year on that contract. I bet it's two, though. Is it, am I crazy to say that? I bet it's a two-year extension. You that's know, what he used. That's this what, year, and then I'll get two more. That's, after. What, that's what has used. been happening for the past couple of years. Yeah, for and him. I'm interested when Art, because Art will eventually, I think, talk to yeah. more of the media. I'm interested if anybody asks them, you know, what was it that made you not want to do the contract last year? Because it's normally you don't two wait years for that out. lame. You don't duck. even have yeah. the, the chance for us to open up radio mics and go. He might be a lame dunk mm-hmm. coach next year. It never gets to the the one year left on his contract. Mm-hmm. So. Which is why I That's think it's thing unfair I'm again about. for Brooke Pryor to ask that question because it is something Uncharted that you would never see right before. Uh, but even though that was a little bit uncharted, we are well into charted territory now with him getting the extension um, and the Rooney's given him that, that vote of confidence. Um, so that put to bed and then some with Art confirming that the extension is on the way. The other big thing that came from the news conference yesterday, outside of him for sure being here, signed, sealed, and delivered, just a matter of pen to paper now, the offensive coordinator search and him saying that they are going to be looking outside of the organization. And the way that the question was framed was, will Eddie, will Mike have a chance to be back? And he really didn't even give them the benefit of we're going to interview them, we're going to, mm-hmm. you know, they'll be a part of the process. It was straight to, no, we're going to be looking outside of the organization. No, but I there's a chance they come back as the QB coach, as the but running back coach, but of not OC in the is capacity. how the question was framed. Yeah, and not he didn't in even, the capacity. He didn't even, like, he, give he didn't them even lie. Like, yeah, he didn't right. even lie and say, yeah, we'll consider it. Like, he just, he flat out was like, no. The first thing he said was, we're looking outside. So what does that mean? Because I think everybody goes to, okay, well, the preeminent name, quote-unquote, outside is Byron Leftwich. Uh-huh. Never coached here. But still an but insider within the organization. Very familiar with the yeah. and Coach Tomlin. Um, let's put this out there right from the jump if it is Byron Leftwich, which is just pure poppycock speculation mm-hmm. for me at this point. Even though you'll see a lot of people with uh, – here we go again. Same same old Steelers. They said they go outside, and it's just a technicality where they went outside. He hasn't coached here, A. And mm-hmm. even though it's not completely fresh, completely new blood, it is someone who is an established OC and wasn't here in a lower position for a couple of years and right. then bumped up into that OC right. role. So and, and it's no- not a a nailed on higher from within situation if right. it is Byron Leftwich. So I get people will be like, oh great, another Steeler jumping in. But that I think would be a little disingenuous. I think it's a little bit different. Although I don't think that would be the necessary path that I would like to walk down. I 
I think even anybody who put that black and gold uniform on might not need to be a part of it. Just just something new, something fresh to be mm-hmm. injected into this organization. He has had he has spent his entire coaching career outside of Pittsburgh. Uh he hasn't been in Pittsburgh in over ten years, Tom. So exactly. So it's not it's not going to be a Feekner or a Canada situation mm-hmm. where it was they were hired as a quarterback coach. And Someone who's been there recently, the yeah. So it would be a little bit different. But other names that pop up a lot are Clint Kubiak, the passing game coordinator from San Francisco. Like it. I love it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> any Anybody that's been touched by a Shanahan, a McVay. Sure. Like they've got coaching tree seems, the Midas touch over there. Uh, and it's important to note, because Tomlin did say he wanted someone with offensive coordinator experience. Well, Kubiak's only the passing game coordinator in San Francisco, but in 2021 he was the OC for the Minnesota Vikings. So he's had a year of being an OC, developing game plans, running those meetings, and calling plays on game day. Uh, a year of experience under his belt. Plus, he's, he's Gary's son. I mean, I'm sure he picked up a few things from his Super yeah. Bowl-winning dad. So that's a name that definitely I like to see, especially when I look at his career history, and it's all Vikings and Broncos and Niners. There's not a Steeler there. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you can see him following with those Broncos in there, the the Shanahan coaching tree uh, around the NFL. Um, so that's a name that I think is, is very popular. Uh, I think that... The um, Daryl Bevel, the coach, passing game coordinator for the Miami Dolphins, I think is yeah. another one to keep an eye on. Definitely. And I think the interesting thing there is there isn't a connection to the Steelers per se, but back when Coach T was the defensive coordinator for the Vikings, Bevel was the offensive coordinator for mm. the Vikings as well from 2006 to 2010. And you want to talk about somebody who's had experience in the NFL as an offensive coordinator? From 2006 to 2020, Bevel was the OC for the Vikings, then the Seahawks for six years, then the Detroit Lions um, from 2019 to 2020. He won. He was the offensive coordinator for the Seahawks when the Legion of Boom won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So that's and remember they that they still as an offense had a great day. Sure, the defense was a story that day, but the offense still scored a ton of points that day. So he yes, so he has had success as an offensive coordinator before Mm -hmm. um a lot of his big offenses though were very successful on the ground running the football those seattle i mean they had marshawn lynch obviously uh russell wilson could help out in that aspect as well um but you know not to say that i want the steelers to be 2014 seattle and run the ball all the time but this is an offense right now that is kind of built more towards the run Mm -hmm. i wouldn't hate a guy that has a hand in, in a strong running game uh out there helping Mm-hmm. Out the cause. Another thing that I like about Bevel, um, he's had interim head coaching experience. He was bumped up to the head coach of the Lions in 2020 when uh, Matt Patricia was fired. <laughs> and then he was hired as the OC for the Jags in 2021 for Urban. And, and then, then took over for, to over, coach Urban. for Urban after Urban uh, was relieved of his duties. Um, he's two and seven in that interim role between the Lions and the Jags. But those were bad teams. Right. But there's. But my point is this. Actually, I don't know about the Jags. Jags probably weren't that bad of a team in in, retro, in hindsight. Maybe. A lot more talent than Herb, Herb, Herbs got out of them. Mm-hmm. I'll say this, though. I think the threat of him ever becoming a head coach is done. I think that he obviously is like right up to the line of being a head coach to where it's like, well, if we need somebody to fill in in a pinch, this guy's got head coaching qualities. Mm-hmm. We trust Bevel. But they never wanted to give him you know, the actual job. So I don't think you have to worry about that. You shouldn't worry about that to begin with as a guy 
coming in, doing so well at OC, and then leaving somewhere else to go to a head for coaching a head job. coaching job. Yeah, but I don't know if this is that guy. This guy might be here for four or five years mm-hmm. as your OC. There's a familiarity with Tomlin. You know, been in the same building together back in 2006 with the Minnesota Vikings. I'm sure they'll work well together. And anybody who gets bumped up to an interim head coaching spot twice, obviously, you know, the ownerships of those teams, the locker room of those teams respected him and would play for him. You know, you don't just hand, you don't just like pick a name out of a hat if you're the owner to see who's going to be the interim head coach. Mm-hmm. You take temperature of your players, you take temperature of the rest of the staff and say like, Who's a guy that you could see being a head coach around this building, you know, if we needed him in a pinch? And mm-hmm. clearly he has fit that mold. Um, so I think Kubiak and, and, and Bevel are my two favorites right now. And the thing that makes them so attractive is they're not the OC for the Niners or the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not offensive coordinating these great offenses where they're like, why would I want to go to Pittsburgh and try mm-hmm. to start all over? They're the passing game coordinators. So this would mm-hmm. be a step up in status and a step up in pay raise. And I'm sure... Bevel, who's been an OC, I mean, that's what his main prime of his career has been, would like another crack at it, would like another chance at that Seattle run that he had where he was clearly his most successful. Mm-hmm. So I love those two candidates. And I think that it's it's nice to be able to talk about this on the show and it not be wishful thinking because the head coach just told me they're going out and looking outside the organization. Maybe these two guys aren't on their radar. I don't know how they wouldn't be. But... It's nice to know that there's an actual chance and it's yeah. not just going to be, well, we can talk all we want about these great passing game coordinators, but we know it's going to be Falker as all of it. <laughs> Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Can I float out uh, another name to you? Of course you can. We're going to be floating names out like crazy. Of course, like, like it's our job, which it is. Shane Waldron is a name that I've been hearing a lot. The Seattle OC uh, has seen, has been there at the helm for the entire Geno Smith era, has obviously helped him improve, but more importantly, was under Sean McVay from the time that McVay arrived in Los Angeles, and before that was with McVay, was with everyone, Shanahan, uh, on Washington as well. He was the offensive quality control coach in 2016 when the Washington coaching staff had literally every offensive genius you can think of in, in today's NFL so a ton of professional experience. Uh, let me just go down this. Offensive quality uh, control coach, a tight ends coach, a passing game coordinator, a quarterback coach, uh, another passing game coordinator role, and then the OC in Seattle. So talk, a lot, a lot of experience for this guy. And you're talking about, I think this is kind of that that perfect middle ground that you were saying he's not on the Dolphins, and he's not on the Niners, but he still has that history with those guys, right? He was in Washington with all of them. Then he was in Los Angeles under McVay's head coaching, and now he's moved on to Seattle uh, with a lot of success there. And the thing about him in Seattle um, that makes him likely is because the difference between him and the uh, guys I brought up, Daryl Bevel and Kubiak, is he is an offensive coordinator, 
but they just relieved his head coach of his duties. Mm-hmm. And he has been pegged for Saints uh, open offensive coordinator interview. The Bears have pegged him for an offensive coordinator interview. So even though he is an OC and he's not really looking maybe for a, a lateral change in status, new coach in Seattle might bring in his whole new staff. Right. There's no guarantee that right. he's going to be there anyway. So he is actively searching for more OC jobs. Mm-hmm. Not quite ready to take that head coaching leap yet. Uh, still needs to just he just wasn't OC since 2021, so still a little green in that area. Needs a couple more years of seasoning, probably more success before he gets some head coaching interviews. Uh, but don't shy away from him as a cha- as a candidate because you look at his his job right now and say, well, he already is an OC, so you either have to pay him an absorbent amount compared to his current contract, or you know he has to like Pittsburgh weather more than Seattle weather or something weird like that. No, he might not have a job. Mm. Once the new hire is made in Seattle, and let um, me ask you, isn't the Steelers' coaching staff the has the least amount of money toward it? Yeah, yes, right now yes. in the NFL, so, so you don't expect them to go outbid or like buy a no. But I think OC that means you kind of have team. some room to spare a little. Then, if, if you, you want to buck your trend, of yeah, not right. spending that much, right. of course you have room to spend, and they have the money to spend. Mm-hmm. It's just they haven't really felt the need to. Although at the same time, a lot of the guys that they've hired you know, don't really merit a big contract. They were internal hires getting a crack at OC for maybe the first time, mm-hmm. at the professional level at least. So why would you give that guy a big, you know, you're an established OC contract? So, like, people like to point out, like, oh, well, I mean, the coaches are the cheapest in the league. And, yeah, that is a criticism. But it's also just a matter of the experience that the coaches have. Maybe if you go get a Waldron, if you go get a Kubiak, You'll, they'll open up the purse a little bit more mm-hmm. and spend a little bit more for some more quality at that position. Yeah, um, I like Shane Waldron. Um, you know, all of three, uh, any of those three guys get hired, and I think I'd be happy. Uh, one guy that has some local ties that I've seen floated out there a lot that I don't think I'd be mad at. Um, again, it's not like a, a he's been around the facility as a ball boy from day one and. You know, he graduated up to towel folder, and then he started to be a scout, and now he's on the offensive staff, and now he worked his way up to... Like, he's not just these internal hire, in, internal hire, but he is a local kid, uh, is Luke Getze, um, mm. who was just let go from the Chicago Bears as their offensive coordinator. Yeah, I th- think he did some good things in Chicago. I might be a little bullish on that one, just because that re- offense kind of revolved around a special player like... Uh, Justin Fields, and you still didn't really see it kind of to its fullest extent of what it could have been. He was a grad assistant at Pitt. He played at Pitt, uh, played at Pitt and Akron, transferred to Akron. He's from Steel Valley, so he's local. Like he's from Munhall, PA, but he hasn't coached for the Steelers. His NFL coaching experience has been with the Packers um, and the Bears. He's been a Packers and a Bears guy, and then mm-hmm. some college sprinkled in there as well. So again, there would obviously be people that were like, "Oh, great, here we go, another, another just local connection." I wonder how you got that job, but it, it, it's different from what we've seen in the past. He hasn't mm-hmm. been around the facility, and you're right. I mean, the Bears' offense never reached its full potential, but he's 39 years old. So for him to get an offensive coordinator job that young, that early. obviously he's got some ideas. Obviously he's got some things that yeah, other I mean, look football at minds McVay, like. Look at LaFleur, look at McDaniel. They all got these jobs early on because they were worthy of it. And they, he's from that camp. He was LaFleur's mm-hmm. guy, his offensive coordinator. Yeah, how, coach how crazy game. is that? I mentioned that Washington staff. 
At one point in time, Shanahan, LaFleur, Mike McDaniel, and Sean McVay mm-hmm. were all on the same coaching staff. And they went like 6-10. and 10. Yeah. I think it was like, that was an overlap to Jay Gruden, too, like back when Gruden Yes, I think Gruden was the coach at some point. Mike Shanahan was also the coach at some point. That's why Kyle Shanahan was there. Yeah, overlap. Mm -hmm. But um, with Getze, you know, him being part of that that branch, that LaFleur, like if if any one of these guys has been touched by a McDaniel, a Shanahan, a a McVeigh, I think you're you're barking up the right tree. Those yeah, are those are the sure. preeminent names in offensive football, and the league is now preeminently offense. So, mm-hmm. you know, guys aren't going to come in and just be copy and pastes of them, but they're going to pick up some things from them, and they're going to learn at their feet, just like Shanahan learned at the feet from his dad, and McVeigh learned at the feet from Shanahan's dad, and, um, you know, yeah, every guy we've named except for except for Leftwich. Has had some experience working with one of those guys of Lafleur, Shanahan, McDaniel. Every one of them except for Leftwich. And the only one that I name that's a bit older is Bevel, who's fifty-four years old. Um, that would be the most retready of one of these hires. You know, a Kubiak would be getting his first real shot mm-hmm. at being an OC. Um, I forget the guy you just mentioned, Waldron from Seattle, has just been an OC since twenty twenty-one. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, a lot of these gets he's 39 was just an OC for the first time a couple years ago in Chicago uh, at the pro level in OC did it in college before. So a lot of these guys are young bevels 54, but 54 ain't like 70. And again, if Tomlin really meant the part of, I want someone with a lot of experience, then bevel probably fits that mold of, of potential candidates more than a lot. Yeah, I, I guess so. And if you're really if you're one of those people who's a little, not scared, but um, wondering if Mike Tomlin's one of those guys who doesn't want a young guy to come in and take over his job, Bevel, I guess, would fall under that. And they're no, they, like you said, they have had a history of hiring uh, older guys at that position. I mean, Terrell Austin, Keith Butler, um, on, um, <clears throat> uh, Randy Feekner wasn't too young either when he was promoted to that role. So. Bevel definitely fits that mold, but I don't. I don't look at it as like you should hire Bevel over the younger Kubiak or whoever Waldron just because he's older. Or at the reverse angle, if you should hire one of those guys just because they're younger, I think that the search should be as as fair and as neutral as possible. And you're just hiring the guy that you think can actually help you the most because this offense, as we know, has a lot of talent to it, and clearly has a lot of potential and they have yet to find the guy to really unlock all of that. Right. And that's, I think another thing that Tomlin spoke on was uh, when asked about what they need out of the offensive coordinator, um, you know, someone that is going to score more points, Doy, mm-hmm. but he also said someone that's going to utilize the players and the talent that we have to their most potential. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so key is to get the most out of these yeah. players. And I think when he said that, you know, he's talking about all of them, but I think there's a little extra oomph on quarterback because oh, you need to get question. the young quarterback up to speed. Uh, and, Whichever one it and is. And honestly, he he regressed this year, so you're going to have to do it um, maybe by taking a little bit of shortcuts, cutting some corners, but yeah. he's got to get back up to, to third-year level um, from a Expectations, yeah. Yeah, and we're gonna get, we'll get into this in the next episode because I know we're running up sure. against it here. 
Um, but the other thing that Tomlin said that was really newsworthy was about that quarterback situation. Mm-hmm. And you know, no hesitation towards Kenny being QB1. No, I... But with the open door for competition. To me, it just sounded like, yes, he's quarterback one because he's our quarterback that's signed to the team. It wasn't like he is our number one guy, no question. We have we The whole team should have our whole faith in him. It was kind of, a, to me, it was a calculated response because Mitch ain't coming back, right? We know that. And Mason's, and he mentioned this too, Mason is not under contract right now. Mm-mm. And he said it's hard to speak on Mason because we don't really know what the future holds for Mason. We would love him back, but free agency is a big part of this league, and right now he's a free agent. And he hit on that multiple times. So I don't know if I really read into, maybe maybe I'm misinterpreting, but I don't know if I really read into Tomlin saying that Kenny's quarterback one is because he's the best available quarterback to us. He did, like he said, like you said, he did mention there will be competition and he invites competition at every chance he can get. And we've seen that before out of Mike Tomlin. Uh, and I think he said that he wants Mason Rudolph back. And at the very end of the press conference, he was asked, is your quarterback, is your starting quarterback for next year currently on the roster? And he said yes. So that either means that he thinks it's going to be Kenny Pickett or Mason Rudolph. Yes, because Mason's technically still on the roster right. because March hasn't hit yet. I don't think Mason's going to be back, though. <clears throat> let's get into it in the next episode. Yeah, okay, we'll let's talk save all it. quarterbacks in the next episode. So get your quarterback. You got your OC fix in that first one. You get your quarterback fix. Tap on in, baby. Get your quarterback fix in the next one. He's Jacob. I'm Tom. You've been listening to the Steelers Standard. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.